Here we go. You are listening to the last broadcast of Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel for the year 2020. Because the last live broadcast for KFUO will be next Wednesday, the 23rd. And God willing, we will be back on January the 7th. That's a Thursday. We'll be with Wes Reimnitz on Rumination Thursday. So today being the last time for Open Mic Friday, let's take a look at some emails. Hi, Pastor Baker. Last Friday, you mentioned that our sins of commission are taken away by Christ dying with them on the cross, and that our sins of omission are covered with Christ's robe of righteousness. I would appreciate your sharing the scriptural basis for the latter. God's blessings on your Christmas services with your congregations and on your family celebration as well. I will look forward to your return to Law and Gospel in 2021 and God's blessings to me through your program with my ongoing appreciation and then the person signs the name. So what is the person talking about? I was making a point that there are two kinds of sins. We do sins of commission, where we commit something. In fact, we talk about that in the liturgy, that we commit sins not only by deed, but also by thought and by word. And the treatment for that is the forgiveness of sins, where God no longer holds us accountable for what we are doing by thought, word, or deed. But then there's another set, and that's our sins of omission, which may be more in number than our sins of commission. What's a sin of omission? Where we omit to do something for God. It may be the way we treat people around Christmas. Uh, We go to a shop and they're very, very busy. They don't have enough workers. We're not getting the items that we want. And perhaps we're not very nice to those individuals. And not being very nice is a sin of omission. Now, the writer asked for some biblical basis for this. We don't want to spend the whole recording today, uh, the whole broadcast on this, but I would point to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm sorry, 16. From now on, therefore... Paul writes, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now, remember the disciples really had a hard time understanding Christ. He stilled the waters in the sea. And rather than saying, well, obviously this is God. This is the one we've been waiting for. No, they said, who is this man that 
wind and wave, listen to him. So they were regarding him to the flesh. In fact, Jesus criticizes Peter after Peter hears that Jesus is going to Jerusalem in order to be killed. No, no, that won't happen. Get thee behind me, Satan, because you are thinking of things as human beings think of them rather than as God thinks of them. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, what's this new creation? Well, in Christ, particularly those who have been baptized, have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they are considered to be so holy that they can even receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now, this is critical because unlike every other religion in the world where God is not yet reconciled to the people, your job is to get God to be reconciled to you. And that occurs by means of your good works, but not in Christianity. Because as Christians, as witnesses, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In other words, God is already reconciled to you because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's explained in verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that's talking about in Christ, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is really critical to understand that Christians here on earth are declared to be righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Isaiah was talking about when we spoke of that robe of righteousness. In other words, there are many good works we fail to do, but from God's point of view, we are doing them because Christ did them and what he did, he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. Therefore, when I think of sins of omission, where I'm not doing the good works God has asked me to, well, guess what? That means that from God's point of view, 
I am doing the good works because I am wearing the robe of righteousness. Now, the email writer asked to add her name to the list for your Open Mic Friday book. Uh, this is really the book that I just finished of 400 emails that I've received. And it's a cost of $15. All you do is email me, as this writer did, and request it. I can't guarantee you're going to get it before Christmas. We sent out a package of books to one of our listeners on October the 31st, and she did not receive them until December the 14th. So the mail is really slow these days, but we'll still send it to you. Don't send us any money. We'll have a bill in there. So these are emails that I received, 400 of them. All right, on to another email. I received the following letter from a friend of a non-denominational church. I know this is not biblical, but I was wondering how you would respond and what scripture passages would you use? I have some of my own, but I wanted your response as well. This friend is using this as a form of witnessing to non-believers. Thanks. And then what follows is the letter she received from her friend. And it's really about the last days when Jesus is going to return on the day of judgment. And in this letter, these points are made. God is poised to speak his word again, ready to give the final signal for the destruction of the desecrating skeptics. He is restraining him restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. Are you lost? If not, what are you doing for his kingdom to reach the lost? He's giving all space and time to change. Have you, since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life. Daily expect the day of God, excuse me, expect the day of God eager for its arrival. The galaxies will burn up and the elements melt down that day. We'll be looking the other way, I hope, ready, I hope, for the promised new heavens and promised new earth all landscaped in righteousness. Are we like the five virgins who had their own lamp stands ready? Do your very best to be found living at your very best in purity and peace. Interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is, salvation. And now is that time before it's too late. Thus, all of you have been well warned. Be on guard, lest you lose your footing and get swept off your feet 
by lawless and loose-talking teachers. Now, the email continues. My husband says this is a bunch of hogwash and false teaching. I agree, but I want to have a good response to my friend. It sounds like all law, no mention of Jesus, and scripture taken out of context. Thank you, Pastor Baker. My response to this is pretty simple. On the basis of a multitude of Bible verses, for example, in Ephesians, we are saved by grace, through faith, not on account of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, this is a real problem that a number of non-denominational churches have and every other religion outside of Christianity. They kind of parallel how we get to heaven in the same way that they think how you advance here on earth. And how do you do that? Well, if you have a job, you work harder. And maybe you're noticed because you're such a good worker. You come in early, you stay late, you get your job done, and perhaps then you'll get the promotion. They think of heaven in the same way. And that's why in this letter from this non-denominational church, there is such an emphasis about the fact, guess what? That you better be good. You better be pure. It's as though God is not going to take impure people to heaven. Now, there are not too many people who are as impure as was the thief on the cross. He had not been baptized, and yet he was being crucified for crimes against the government that would have been sin. And yet, when he asked Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus responded, today you shall be with me in paradise. Now, the way the Roman Catholic Church gets around that is they kind of retranslate it, saying, I'm telling you today, you will be with me in paradise after he spends his time in purgatory. But that's not what the text says. Jesus isn't saying, I'm talking to you today. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And so this is what happens when people read the Bible. They they have a notion that we're saved by how holy we have become. And they don't realize that when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared holy and righteous in God's sight. Another email. Hello, Tom. Your program is a Definite blessing to me at work every day. Thank you. I am learning so much from you. God bless your talking ministry. And that's from Angela. And the reason that's important is because she's listening at work. Now, hopefully, you can be at a place of work 
where they don't mind you having KFUO on. And who knows who else might hear things, hear things that are very helpful to them. Uh, For example, from the coffee hour or the Bible study or issues, etc., or other programs that you can hear on KFUO. In fact, uh, what did Issues Etc. say? That they had 5 million people download their programs recently. Now, I I know I'm on Issues Etc., and I'm told that each week I have about 10,000 people who listen to the Sunday School lesson that we provide normally on Tuesdays. And so that's about 200 and... 50,000 people that are listening to that. And so that's something that we want to keep in mind because we want you to know that KFUO can be a wonderful teaching for those who need to hear about the message of Jesus Christ. Another email. Dear brother, My wife and I have left the PCA Presbyterian Church over the law and gospel problem. My wife was teaching Sunday school, and they were teaching a catechism to young children. The question out of the official PCA catechism textbook, how are we saved? Answer, by faith in Jesus Christ and living a holy life. I talked to the elders about this. Since they taught sola fide, sola Christo, sola scriptura, sola Deo gloria. Now, let me explain before I go on. The word sola means only or alone and comes from the Reformation that we are saved only through faith, only through Christ, only as revealed in Holy Scripture. So this is not an odd situation where the church teaches that you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and living a holy life, which is a contradiction. And yet they also teach that you're saved only by faith. So the email goes on. I told the elders they were preaching gospel plus law, Christ plus, and that this is a heresy. They replied that this is a complex problem, and the answer is not clear. I quoted the Bible, and it still did not register. I was thoroughly a Calvinist, but after stunning Luther, I am slowly leaving Calvinism for Lutheranism. And then the letter goes on. I think think that your law gospel polemic is the only true preservation of the true gospel. God bless your ministry. 
Now, part of the reason why I'm putting out these 400 emails is you will find a lot of people have come to faith over KFUO. They listen to the programs, and guess what? They see something really important. The next email shows that. It has been 25 years and more since I sat in some classes with you and faced you on the tennis court at 801. Uh, That's the seminary. Thanks for all the important contributions you make in assisting us in the hinterlands to rightly divide the word. Great clarity and presentation of such weighty substance. I have a technique that I've learned primarily from Jesus, but also from certain professors. Every one of my sermons begins with a question that even most Lutherans get wrong. And so the rest of the sermon shows the correct understanding and the correct answer to that question and leaves with comfort. One of the items I love doing is basically what Jesus did, who asked many questions, but he then explained the mysteries of God by what we refer to as parables. Now, not all items that are referred to as parables are about Jesus in the kingdom of God and how we are saved. Some parables are just kind of teachings of morality and advice how to live the Christian life. But Jesus would use a parable to help explain what it means that God is reconciled to you. Luke 15 is a great example of this. There's a lost sheep. It's not reconciled to the shepherd. It's lost. But the shepherd, being reconciled to his whole flock, goes out, finds the sheep, puts the sheep on his shoulders, and takes him home. That is what Christ uses to help you understand what is meant by salvation. Another email. I've been listening to your program. I'm not good at explaining things. I have a friend who is in his mid-80s who is mentally sharp, but was deeply hurt in childhood and struggles every day. He keeps trying to fix himself. He has been a Christian for about 50 years. He was raised Mennonite and in is in a church he thinks is giving him the gospel, but I don't think so. Sounds like law based on what he tells me. He wanted me to ask you if you could recommend a book for him. Is there something that isn't going to be too hard for him to digest? Something plain and clear? When I first started listening to you, I experienced a lot of mental turbulence. By the way, I understand what he means. For a long time, I would just preach at one congregation at a time throughout the United States. And I put so much into the sermon that one lady came to me and she said, 
I got a headache from listening to you. I couldn't write down on my paper the notes fast enough. Back to the email. It took a long time for me to realize almost everything I knew about the Bible and the gospel was totally wrong. If he has a book, he can go over it again and again, and he will. So I wrote back to this particular individual and told him, well, number one is the Bible. But other books are really helpful in explaining the Bible. Nothing probably is as important as Luther's small catechism. And right now I have an individual in an adult instruction class who's there because he read Luther's large catechism. You can get that book separately. And then, of course, Walther's long gospel. Like, there's a short book called No and Yes, and then there's a reader's edition. Those would also be very helpful in understanding what the program Long Gospel is all about. So, if you would like to receive any of these, email me, and I'll send you one with a billing. On Monday's Long Gospel, which will be the last Monday for 2020, we'll be taking a look at readings that are coming up the following Sunday. And we're going to look at them again from a law gospel perspective. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.